Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of House of X, issue 6, I Am Not Ashamed, and Powers of 10, issue 6, House of X. This is your spoiler alert for House of X and Powers of 10, issue 6, and the issues before. Your creative teams on these comics are writer Jonathan Hickman, penciler R.B. Silva on Powers of 10, Pepe de Raz on House of X. Those are also your inkers. Um, your colorist is Marte Garcia. Your letterer is, your letterers are, excuse me, Virtual Calligraphy and Clayton Clouds. Your editors are Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabolski, and Jordan D. White. X-Men created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Hey, uh, Noah, uh, as normal, uh, before we do our deep dive, why don't you uh, lead us off with some general thoughts uh, on these two issue sixes that uh, capped the series? The, they were a great cap. They sort of, it's interesting that it like it reused a twist that I didn't see coming. So, you know, Moira has been the twist throughout the whole issue, and I guess she's been done it's been used twice. Her abilities have been used as a twist uh, mm-hmm. up until this point. And then this final issue of powers, it was a third time, like another twist. And it tied everything together as to what was going on. I really liked that part. So I really liked, uh, I always like things in groups of threes. So whenever something is repeated three times, I always find that it's satisfying. And uh, the ending is good. There's a lot of jumping off to do from there. And there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, open-ended questions. And then at the same time, there's a lot of ambiguous questions, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a, no, sorry, not not ambiguous. Sorry, there are a lot of open-ended answers, a lot of ambiguous answers as well as to what's going to happen going forward. And we still don't know the full story of certain things. So um, I'm sure that's just a, this sort of series has made it clear that this is a, you know, this is a reset for the X-Men. And this is what, like, this is basically this whole series has been the uh, issue zero mm-hmm. of, of the, of the new series. Yeah. So that's a little bit of my disappointment. Um, yeah. I understand that uh, big two comics, everything has to keep going month to month, but I really wish with the last, issue of uh powers of powers of 10 we would have gotten some more like uh x universe shaking developments we uh you know for five issues we've been on this roller coaster and uh you know we just basically on that last page we were like hey and you know again this is to be expected it was hey check out uh, uncanny check out what's going to happen in uncanny one and the, the series that are spinning out of this. Right. Um, so I, I know it's probably a bit of a, uh, uh, tight rope. You gotta, you gotta work where you're, or you gotta walk, excuse me. That was a bad cliche. Um, when you're writing a big two comic and you, you know, you go a month to month and these stories have to continue, you know, for the foreseeable future. But I really wish there was, you know, something, um, you know, we've already said spoilers, but you know, you know, it would have been cool if that the the helmet would have came off of Charlie one time, and just we could have seen. Um, but you know, 
I don't know. Is he gonna is he gonna wear that helmet for the rest of uh, how very many issues of Uncanny and and what comes next? But uh, uh, it was it was it was I, I I hate to say a fizzle, but it was I, I feel like it was kind of kind of a fizzle at the end. Yeah, I'd agree too. Uh, I think I think on further dissection, we'll find a, f- a complete arc of a mm-hmm. story in there. And I think uh, I think as we discussed tonight, I think we'll see a full arc. Um, but I, I, I do agree that it, it was, it was a very fizzly book. Um, but I, I, I kind of like where it ended. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I think the storytelling throughout the whole thing between, um, Hickman and his two artists really make the book something that'll live on as one of those iconic arcs. Mm-hmm. Of any comic series of any kind of superhero book um I, I i haven't changed my mind about that even though it did sort of fizzle out but i think that there's a i think it's going to go down in history as being sort of one of those uh resets or reboots that sort of changed the game um because hickman really took it very seriously you know mm-hmm. like he took this opportunity to tell basically a corporate mandated reboot the way that he wanted to. So I think that that right there kind of doesn't make me too disappointed in it because I think even at the end, he's still telling the story he wants to tell and even more so pushing the story where he wants it to go for the unforeseeable future. Yeah. Which is a pretty, you know, a a pretty unique um, position to be in when you're a comic book writer and especially with iconic characters so the fact that he was able to do that without any kind of like, I mean, it seems like there was no corporate mandate outside of just do your thing. And mm-hmm. that was, that's pretty impressive. And it's uh, to just give that kind of creative control over to an individual and the team that he assembles. So I, I, I think the, I think the, the series stuck true to that. So I don't feel like it's compromised in the end too much because it is comics, right? You know, you're going to, there's, it's not going to end ever. Right. The, that's the, that's the tragedy of comics, right? Is that there's always going to be, there's never going to be a, a happy ending for anyone because it's always going to be the evil's always going to come back and the good guys are going to have to fight them. Um, but also, uh, this book sort of points that out as well, and we'll get into that. That this book sort of deconstructs narrative in an interesting way. Yeah, whenever you're writing one of these, you know, big two superhero books, you got to create drama and suspense and and, and get everybody excited. Um, and think that there's, you know, these these horrible outcomes that could possibly happen when uh, we should know that, you know, they're they're not going to happen. But just think about like how much when we saw the, like the the deaths of you know Wolverine and Nightcrawler and all those guys on the space station, we were involved in it, yeah. and 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 for those issues, it you know it really impacted us. But then mm-hmm. here we are four weeks later, and you know, all of that stuff is, is, is off the board. So that's like, you know, you, you got to create that momentary drama, but then it's always gonna, it's always going to go back to that, to that, to that starting point where, you know, Wolverine's back, you know, how many times has he been taken off the board and, you know, we get caught up in it, you know, we, we, you know, in that moment, we feel all the, the action, the suspense, the, the, the tension, and then, however many weeks, however many months, however many years, he's, he's back. So um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we move into the issues here? Yeah, let me um, 
So I, full disclosure, I read the issues wrong, and I didn't realize that until we started recording. Oh, so wow. I read Powers of Ten first, and then I read House of Ten, issue six first. So not a- to confuse the watchers or the listeners, I am going to start with House of Ten, those slides first, you, you and then did I'll a- circle back around to the to the beginning of the slides, and we'll do a... You're like the 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 Mauro Matagrit of uh, the podcast. You you went to the uh, end point and then you uh, you you reincarnated and, and you came back in and and with your knowledge. Of, how uh, fitting! <laughs> yes. Oh uh, yeah. This is uh yeah. So it was uh. I'm surprised I wasn't more disappointed with the ending, having read it the wrong way, basically. So that's that's a good thing, I guess. Um. Yeah. So. Um, House so this of Ten. Is, this House is from of House of Ten. This is yeah, from House, House of, of Ten. X, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, House of X. Yeah, House of X issue six. Uh, Moira's secret um, cradle, which I knew about going into this <laughs> issue. Why that was important? Because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, because I just read Powers of Ten. But if I had started here, I would have been like, ooh, what does that mean? But I went in being like, oh, that's cool. Like sort of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, but. Xavier and Magneto go to meet with Moira. Uh, this is a flashback of sorts. Yes. Um, one month ago. One month ago, before all this began. Um, and we don't see, it's interesting in this, I think this is year 10, right? If we're going by the powers uh, timeline, yeah. we don't see Xavier's face outside of the mask, which is a really interesting thing. And I'll get into that more about how that might be interesting and how it's going to play into future series. Um, basically based on Moira's um, diary entries and okay. powers. It's going to be interesting because I think this is, uh, this has always sort of been one of those cre- more creepy elements is that we never see Xavier's face in anything but flashbacks to the past. And we don't see him now. So this is, uh, this is something that still keeps the creepy vibe going. And I like that, um, that we never see his face. And we'll also get a couple of this sort of, uh, um, we'll get a little bit of this also in powers with the uh, sort of evolved human being mm-hmm. um, as well. This sort of view of like never seeing his face in important moments and things like that. So you never know what he's really thinking. Um, and that kind of almost makes him more terrifying, more of a threat. At least that's how I'm getting it. But like also there's this sort of, there's this great conflict where it's like, I guess it, it makes you feel uneasy because like it's, it's creepy in nature not to see his face and for them to be hiding his face, even though we kind of know what he looks like already. So there's yeah. that contradiction. But also there's this, this is a very creepy approach to Xavier from the beginning of the series to now, but everybody looks up to him like some kind of God. And it's got this like almost cult horror film vibe to it, you know, where like, you know, if like if something like Wicker Man, everybody looks up to Christopher Lee's character and he's just a total creep and you don't understand why like that's just good horror but mm-hmm. this, i think this almost sort of has that vibe to it too and i might be reading into it too much but so this so this charlie this charles xavier here he can walk right yeah he can walk yeah so this has got to be and we 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 we've, we've dealt with all of this um cloning of bodies and we yeah. have we have we have the system to um, download memories, uh, backups like every week to to, to, to upload. Uh, why did he give himself hair? 
<laughs> some uh that's a good question <laughs> yeah um <laughs> all right moving on um <laughs> Xavier Pra does a worldwide uh, psyche, uh, uh, a worldwide psychic message to uh, mm-hmm. all the living be- creatures on the, all the living beings, intelligent beings on the planet, basically telling them about the uh, uh, sovereignty of the nation of Krakoa, talking about all the, that they aren't, uh, he's not, he has all these gifts that'll cure disease, but he's not going to give it to them. He's going to have them earn it. Um, which again, uh, was really interesting uh, reading Powers before this because I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. And again, we'll get into that. We'll get to Powers. Okay. Um, interesting way that we have these messages. Um, it shows the change in Xavier as to like, you know, Xavier even references that he's not the same person that he's always sort of been in in the in this universe, but also in sort of X-Men lore, right? He's mm-hmm. always sort of the benefit, the benefactor, the... Uh, the benevolent mutant superhero that, you know, gives to the, gives to everyone. I, I was thinking about this too, is that, you know, Captain America is, and Xavier are kind of the Superman of this, you know, the Marvel universe almost that mm-hmm. like together, they're sort of the Captain America because he's sort of moral, like that kind of thing is sort of always seen as the Superman equivalent. But I always, I almost think Xavier is more of the Superman equivalent because he's so powerful that no one knows really how powerful he is. Mm-hmm. And he sort of chooses not to use his powers in like a way that would, you know, really change things. So this almost reminds me of like a Superman moment, basically like uh, another like scary moment. Like if you saw Superman starting to talk like this, you'd get scared, that kind of thing. Yeah. So like he's always had, well, it. so has he been sitting on this ability to, you know, psychically blast messages to the, to the entire world. And this right, is the, the exactly. first time he's ever, he's ever done that. He's never, you know, he's never done that in like, uh, you know, Avengers versus X-Men. He's never been like, Hey world, look what's, what's going on. You know, uh, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't in the wrong here. And now, uh, you know, the, the Avengers are coming after us. So it's interesting that this would be the first time that he would ever use that ability. And then he uses it, like, again, it's such an invasion of privacy to do it to everyone in the world. And then on top of that, to basically be like, hey, I've always been benevolent. And I, now I have the uh, the option to really change things, you know, mm-hmm. for the good of everyone. But I'm going to use the power that I've always had not to. You know, that's that's something that's pretty freaky. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and, and it's rationalized within the universe as this issue goes on and then also in powers. But still, it's kind of freaky. Um, and here's our Avengers shot. We were wondering when they would show up and here they are. Yeah. And, uh, no real reactions from them or the fantastic four. The only other real superheroes that we've had some interaction with. Um, what's in, and then there's Dr. Strange, uh, doves are something that's circled on. I'd like to go back through the, the series because doves are a motif throughout this whole series. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd be interested to go through and look and see the scenes where doves show up, because uh, there was there's this moment right here, and there's one in Powers where Xavier's looking up at the sky and he sees the doves, and there are doves flying over Krakoa or like bird-like animals that are fly over certain scenes. There's a scene where Apocalypse shows up in one of the more previous issues, and he's surrounded by doves flying around him and covering him, and I'm wondering if it's 
you know, again, it's sort of religious symbolism, something like that, you know, um, doves are sort of like holy creatures. They have some like, you know, they have, uh, they have symbolic weight in, in like biblical terms and things like that. So I'm wondering if there is something more to these doves, um, outside of just religious symbolism, like if they represent something, uh, I know there's one passage in the Bible where, it, uh, like, uh, I think I, I can't remember if like the Holy Spirit descends on them like a dove or something like that. So maybe okay. that's why doves are here. Like God's voice speaking and it's descending on them like doves or something like that. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's just a religious thing or if there is an actual like story reason to it. I'd like to go back through and look at that. Yeah. And the, the doves, and I'm sure we will see this in the, in the next issue, but the doves are seen in that sort of, um, scene that we've seen with Mora and, and, and Charlie yeah. a, a few times. Yeah. There's, there's uh doves are a repeated imagery along with hands and uh, trees and these beautiful lens flares um, that we're getting right here. Uh, love this shot of Xavier. Um, this is interesting what he says. So he says, second, all mutants by birth can claim Krakoan citizenship. And I think this plays back to our questions about Franklin Richards Mm -hmm. Franklin is a mutant because he was born with his abilities. He wasn't given them. Right. So that's, I think that's what this is all about because he says mutant mutants by birth. So I remember like one of my favorite episodes of like the Spider-Man animated series from the nineties was when okay. he came up with X-Men and I never really watched the X-Men show from the nineties. So I, I only watched the Spider-Man one, but in that a series of episodes, they talk about how Spider-Man's a mutant and, uh, I think that's sort of what they're talking about here, but like he's not a mutant by birth. His abilities came afterwards. Like he is a mutation and something like the uh, fantastic four would be mutants or captain America would be a mutant. Um, but they're not by birth. Right. True. So like it's, it's, it would be people who are born with their abilities, not like given their abilities. So yeah. By science or something like that. Well, don't a lot of the X-Men have like a, like a, like a second mutation, like, uh, or is, is that universal for all, for all X-Men? Like Wolverine has like pheromones and he has the, he has the healing factor. Right. Um, Emma is a telepath and she has diamond form. Like, uh, do I, is that a, I, I would have to do like a, like a complete rundown, but I'm just trying to think. I don't think like Scott doesn't have a secondary mutation. He just has no. optic blast. So maybe that, that that can't be true for for all X Men or all mutants. So yeah, well, so like there's a because all the mutants seem normal at birth, mm -hmm. right? And then they like like around puberty, they grow into their abilities or something like a stressful situation brings them out like the gene gets unlocked because it's all the X genes that they're born with, but they never really get unlocked. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then there are the, uh, so like the, the, the question, like those questions are something I'm guessing it would be cool to see Hickman answer yeah. as to like what he means by mutant by birth. Um, Cause like, does that mean Franklin had the X gene because his parents, you know, were given the X gene or something like that, you know, or if it was, I don't know if like Spider-Man, maybe he had the X gene and that's why the spider, when it bit him it gave him powers or something like that. Okay. But uh, like, you know, I'd be interested to see a, a 
an infographic done by Hickman where he explains how the X gene works and how it like gives you citizenship in Krakoa and stuff like that. Well, he's, he's a big fan of this podcast, so I'm sure, oh, yeah. I'm sure it's yeah, going to We're calling him soon. out and we're asking for it and we know he'll answer our questions. Definitely. You, Jonathan. Um, this is interesting. It goes back and we see all the characters that we've run into that are now dead. Mm-hmm. Um, for these people on the, on the, uh, was it, uh, Orcus space station? Yeah. Um, who sacrificed their lives so that Nimrod can come back online. The mother mold can come online. Uh, get to see them one more time. Yeah. And, um, so this is, uh, it was a see- lie. Yeah. So um, you dropped out there for a second, oh, but we're, that's okay. We're we're on the we're on the side where um, this is Mora seeing um, yes. Charles Charles's uh, statement. Yeah. So yeah, Moira is um, this is a, this has significance again because I read Powers first. It's significant that he's saying that that um, you closed your eyes last night, believing this world would be yours forever. That was your dream, and like mine, it was a lie. Mm-hmm. And this plays into again what's going to happen in powers the 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 final truth that Moira reveals mm-hmm. um in her one of her final lives or one of her lives not not one of her final lives but one of her lives and um you know the the truth is that humanity is what kills the mutants in the end it's not machines it's nothing like that it's it's always it's always mankind that yeah. wipes out mutants in the end so the dream of of me of Xavier was that mutants would inherit the earth naturally and come to like you know humans and mutants would live together and then that ev- evolution would take over and eventually everyone would be mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the dream of humanity is to wipe out the mutants. But both dreams are lies. So this comes into the future being uncertain at the end of this series as to how is it going to end? Are mutants going to lose all the time or are they finally going to win? But it's significant because Moore is the one that reveals that they always lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a new truth. While you slept, the world changed, which, again, is alluding to Moira changing things yeah. while everybody was unaware. And then this is all the people showing up for their meeting, the, the table meeting. Mm-hmm. So we have 11 of the 12 people that will be on this sort of round table of mutants. Yes. And uh, Krakoa the living guy watching over everyone with uh how it's not cypher it's uh no it's 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 doug ramsey it's cypher cypher yeah cypher sitting in the tree because him and krakoa have a bond yeah yeah there's the table pretty cool x table yes um you get to see all the people we've got gene nightcrawler storm we've got emma and uh what's his name um Sebastian sebastian shaw yeah the black king, the white queen, and then they are waiting for their red king to join. We don't know who the red king is. You think no. it might be, I think it might be Juggernaut. That's just me. We haven't seen any Juggernaut this time around. Um, that's, a, that's a good, I'm just trying to figure, I, I don't know a lot of Hellfire members beyond Sebastian and Emma, so... Um, I guess so. Jugg- oh, yeah, his juggernaut may not. He wasn't a part of Hellfire Club, was he? But he's always sort of in that uh, brotherhood, and brotherhood of like evil that. mutants. So um, yeah. you know, just to sort of balance out the table, he would he would be a good choice. But again, is Juggernaut a mutant? 
that's another thing too because he uh he has like bands that give him powers right right exactly he's not a mutant necessarily he's an x-men villain but not a mutant necessarily so he may not be allowed in krakoa that might be something that they bring up in the further series issues so i mean we always have that franklin richards uh card hanging over us like right franklin richards on this you know with his ability to shape realities um would be an interesting choice yeah but there's the rest of everybody else on the table i like how i like how everybody's blocked um how they again just again to show off um this is silva right rb silva's art um uh no this is the raz sorry is art it's it's just great to see how he how he draws each of the x-men's postures you know Mm -hmm. according to character um it's amazing to see that and how he does it so naturally where it doesn't seem stiff or really that planned out. There's this natural flow, the composition here, even mm-hmm. with like an empty chair, just having this nice line that points getting to her. around. Yeah. Yeah. It points to her and then her, her blocking points to Shaw and then Shaw's blocking leads you down. And this is beautiful too, right here. You get everybody's sort of, you know, you, you learn so much about these characters, even if you didn't know these characters already just by how they're posed. It's really beautiful, um, yeah, masterful so, work. So this page is a four panel page. And you yeah. know, um, the first panel is Jean in the middle. Uh, the second panel is Emma in the middle. Uh, the third panel, I, I, I'm forgetting this guy's name. Harris. He, okay. And yeah. then it's Magneto. Uh, what would be interesting, which, which would be interesting uh, just for a composition, uh, it would have been interesting if maybe um, Mystique was in the middle of that third one. Yeah, since she played such a ro- she played such a role uh, in the uh, you know the the attack. So I mean, mm-hmm. this guy's this guy's barely been there. Uh, but you know, that's just that's just a nitpick. I just or just a choice that could have been made. There's something interesting to be pointed that out because yeah, it would make sense to have her in there. And it's interesting that they break the pattern of having the female, you know, the, the three powerful female mutants that have been key in mm-hmm. getting like in, in fixing things to the where like they are right now, because you're right, gene, gene sacrifice helped them destroy the mother mold. Mm-hmm. Mystique was sacrificed herself there too, but she also helped get the information about the mother mold and the orcus base. Yeah. Emma was the one that helped get all the stuff with the United Nations together and also get Sebastian Shaw onto there. So it's interesting to have this panel break that pattern, but it also shows Mystique's character. It sort of like shows that she doesn't really want to be the center of attention. Yeah. She's she just wants things to move along that yeah. kind of thing, you know? She doesn't really care about this stuff. Whereas Paris, this guy, he does care. Yeah. And that's um, true. Good point. Yeah. And, but I think, but I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause that's a very good detail to notice. Um, that, uh, this is a great, um, this is a great shot of Krakoa bringing down, um, saber for judgment. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of circles, a lot of spheres in Krakoa. Great motif. Adding that together. Love. Love the colors here. Um, how uh, how Garcia did this this beautiful like highlight work 
mm-hmm. of showing the different types of wood, you know, like are basically the different uh, states that this bark is in, that kind of thing, like a real tree would be. You know, they're not all, it's not all the same color. There's these great, like, gradations and lighter here. It's more warm and brown here. It's, it's great to see that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then there's some nice fingerprint detailing over here um into the branches to show this sort of nice crop this nice line work that shows it disappearing into the shadows fingerprints used really well and also down here on his on his um, lower lip using that fingerprint and it's it's neat that these sort of window frames uh or tree branch window frames are almost forming the 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 x-men logo yeah that's a great detail right there yeah the the x as and even now i'm looking at it Sabretooth is sort of in an X shape. True. This. So yeah, very good use of motifs of the X motifs right here. Um, this is a cool panel. This is something that's going to show up in Marvel guidebooks right here. The anatomy is so dynamic and the foreshortening is really well done with the hands. Uh, it's a classic Sabretooth panel right here. Yeah. yeah. This is great. And I love, again, the color is just beautifully well done how I did the reflections coming off of it. Um, just marvelous color work in this whole series and not like, you know, no less here, but also I love um, cross hatching detail right here um, that, uh, that LaRoz did um, to show like the reflections and the, uh, the different shades of the X symbol right here. It's just great, great work um, all around. Yeah. Um, This is a great little moment of uh, Emma, so Saber, so they're they're trying to decide what to do with Sabretooth, and Sabretooth starts protesting, and then Emma says quiet, and he and he shuts up, and then Gene says quiet, and he like starts drooling. Yeah, he's uh, got two powerful uh, telepaths uh, messing with him. Yeah, well, this also is a really painful scenario. It's um, you know, this is a this as a superhero comic where you know you think it's going to be light and stuff like that. There's some heavy stuff in here, and this they draw out what they're going to do to Sabretooth for a long time. Mm-hmm. There are pages of just dialogue about what to do with them during the yeah. scene. And it's torturous because like, you're almost like they are torturing him almost because they're just taking so long to figure out what to do with him. Even though Xavier knows what he's going to do with him. Yeah. It's interesting that Wolverine is not on this board considering yeah. the, the relationship he has with, with Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, during this time, they're also deciding the laws. So the first law they decide on is not to kill human beings. Yeah. And Sabretooth is guilty of that. And then it's, did you like this part with uh, Nightcrawler where they asked him, because he's he's someone that believes in a higher power because he's Catholic. Yes. Um, That was an interesting moment to call out his faith and his, uh, you know, what's sort of something that's important to his character. Um, and he basically quotes the be fruitful and multiply passage from Genesis. And, uh, he says, we need to make more mutants, which is the second law or the first law, I guess. And then that, that eventually comes up, but yeah. And what's interesting here is that the person that gives him the, the person that gives him the, you know, the guff about his, his thoughts is his mom is mystique yeah yeah that was a great that was a great moment of character and context and you know again showing that you know if you were gonna let one guy 
do whatever he wanted with these characters. It's good that they picked Hickman because he really cares about these characters and he knows where they come from. And he knows that like a moment like that will really resonate with readers as, that are new to the series as well as fans. Like it's just a good, good moment right there. So this is sort of a Marvel Universe as a whole sort of question I've always had just mm-hmm. for sort of the, the, the believers of the, the Catholic universes, your, yeah. your Nightcrawlers and your, 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 your Matt Murdochs. Yeah. Like how, like how can you believe in a monotheistic, you know, religion when, when, when Thor and Loki are, are running around, uh, it's it, uh, like the, that would, that would derail your whole belief system. Well, that's the, that's the, um, so I guess there are two things. And I, and, uh, I know I've seen it in Prometheus, there's the, there's a, it's a stupid movie, but I do love it. Um, there's a moment where they're asking that question about like the, the main character in that movie is, is religious and they're finding the, they're finding out that the aliens, that the engineers created humanity mm-hmm. and like her boyfriend, husband or whatever asks her like, like how can you still believe in God when we find out that we've been, we were like genetic experiments from aliens and she's like, well, someone had to create them, right? I think I've heard that in a Marvel comic as well. Okay. And I think, um, and then of course, there's the classic line from the first Avengers movie where uh, Black Widow tells Captain America that they're gods. And he says, uh, so they're the only one God, ma'am, and they don't dress like that or whatever it is, that kind of thing. So like, yeah. uh, there's always sort of this like, then in this book too, they talk about the one higher power, that kind of thing. Like, and then like, there's almost like, especially in powers, they talk about how like, there are things even more powerful out there than what we know about, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that they talk about in powers as well. So it's interesting that you bring that question up and then Hickman's answering it as he's going throughout the series is like, how can you believe in something higher power when like Thor and Galactus exist and things like that? It's because like, this universe is constantly showing that there's something, always something more powerful out there. Yeah. But this is a great page. I love this composition. I love the reflection of Sabretooth right here. Mm-hmm. Xavier looking down upon everyone in judgment of Saber. Like, well, you know, everybody has to basically bow to Xavier's whims in this page. Sort of the composition and how everybody's below him and he's looking down not just on Sabretooth, but on everyone else. Everyone has to respect his judgment in this moment. Yeah. Uh, it's a great moment right here. And then Sabretooth is is uh, as prevalent, but at the same time, he's still consumed by Xavier in this panel. So just yeah. to show where the power dynamic is, and this is sort of his last stitch attempt at trying to appeal to these people. This is a cool shot, I thought. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Xavier being pulled down and not Xavier, sorry, of Sabretooth being pulled down mm-hmm. into the pits of Krakoa and then Xavier looking down on him from above with these like jagged roots framing him and frame with a red sky in the background. It's just a really heavy image and a real uh, like, you know, it gives you the sense of someone looking down in judgment of like something all powerful looking down in judgment. So, you know, there's been a lot of religious uh, symbolism here, but this is yeah. sort of like, you know, you know, casting somebody 
down the oh, town. So, yeah. you know, he's, you know, it's always, you know, you're always the sort of the, the thought is like hell is below us. So, right. you know, we have, we have somebody casting judgment here on Sabretooth and he's being sent down. So there's, there's more of that here. And that's, that's symbolic of uh, Satan in the Bible because Satan was, uh, was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be God and mm-hmm. basically broke God's rules. And that's sort of this, this moment is very invo- evocative of that imagery of, of an angel being cast out of heaven, that kind of thing into blackness. But there's also Xavier says that he might uh, let, might let Sabretooth have a chance at redemption. Yeah. And then uh, we get into this cool celebration scene, um, which is very return of the Jedi like, mm-hmm. except it's not Ewoks, it's mutants. And, um, but it's still pretty spectacular how well colored it is. And then it's repeated again in powers, but recontextualized in powers, um, which for me, it was uh, um, powers was recontextualized in this issue. <laughs> so uh, you get, you get, you get two sides of the story on both issues of, the, of this celebration as to why it's important. And both are successful onto themselves. Um, this is a cool moment. I thought between, Wolverine and Jean, you know, these people have always had their issues in the past, but here in this moment, just to show the change, you see them sharing a beer. Like, you know, it's a, it's a cool moment. I thought. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of hubbub uh, on the internet. Uh, I haven't read uncanny one, but this is uh, you know, looking at this panel of these three, if, if you've read any uh, comics, Twitter today, you, you've seen a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, discussion on the the relationship between Scott, uh, Logan, uh, Gene, and and possibly Emma. Yeah, then you get a little bit of that um, in the panels that follow this. I don't have them screenshot here, but you do get a little bit of that between Emma and uh, Emma and Gene. Yeah, Gene uh, hands Gene hands Emma a beer, and yeah. uh, she takes it, and then she, she and Emma shoots. gives Cyclops a look. Yeah, and they yeah. they they certainly have their their history together. Yeah, um, this is a cool shot. I thought of Wolverine going up to, and I can't remember uh, this mutant's name up here. You give him a beer. Um, this is a cool little moment, and the then the issue ends. Um, the issue ends the same as Powers ends. So we're going to circle back around and we're going to do, uh, I'm going to show everybody the slides I have for Powers of 10, issue six, the last okay. issue here. All righty. And here's the cover, which is really fascinating. It's Moira walking over the bodies of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty dark way of having a cover for the final issue, but it's, and emotional and provocative yeah Um, and there's we we've seen a lot of x-men you know follow the mutants and a lot of uh or probably a ton of other superhero characters you know with either you know doom standing on top of a bunch of fallen enemies so you know this is like a cool thing that like you see a lot of in in superhero comics and i didn't think of that because this you know we could just because I know this series and I know she's not the one directly causing the mutants to fall, but there could be the argument that she is by how she messes with timelines, that she's sort of the, 
she could be the one that's trying to fix things, but she could also be the harbinger of the inevitable, which is that they always lose. So I didn't think about that, that she, this, this image is kind of loaded in that way where is she the one that's vanquished the X-Men or is she the one that's just sort of the last one there to witness all the, like the vanquishing of the X-Men. So that's a good, that's a good point right here. And this is a pretty heavy image for that reason, multiple meanings. And uh, here's Xavier. We get this scene again of him at the fair. Yeah. And this is a full um, page splash. Yeah, which we haven't seen very many, but these last couple issues have had a couple of them on, in there. Yeah. Um, again, recontextualized just basically because we know so much of what's happened and what's going to happen in mm -hmm. this, this, this last one. And then we get the doves again, him looking yeah. upon the doves. Yeah. More religious symbolism. And then Moira comes up to him, talks to him about, you know, it's, it's very similar. It's the same conversation that they've had already. Yes. Yeah. This was Twice earlier. Before. Yeah. yeah. We get these Which is, cards. Yeah. You know, we, we've had the circle circular pattern, you know, of, of Morris, uh, you know, journey, uh, and all those graphs. So for us to come back around again, this sort of, uh, you know, uh, fits with that. Yeah, it does. And then these cards are recontextualized because when we first got introduced to these cards, we had only seen glimpses of these characters. We didn't know what importance they were going to be. Mm -hmm. And we know now that these guys may have never, will probably never exist, or maybe they will exist. We don't know. Maybe that's what this is sort of saying is that like these people that are from the future that supposedly got erased might end up existing anyways. At least that's sort of, that's sort of the question that's posed right here. I think that like, it could still happen mm -hmm. um, even though Moira's reset it a couple of times. So this, this future with Nimrod and power where the mutants have to struggle to survive, it could still be an, it could still be a viable future for the mutant. Yeah. And we get more of the conversation mm -hmm. and uh, Xavier smiling. He talks about his better world, dream for a better world. And uh, he talks about how it's not a dream. And then we get these beautiful panels repeated again. Yep. And then we cut to year 1000. Yeah, we are at the preserve. And we get this beautiful shot of the these uh, pachyderms grazing. And uh, we get to look at our this guy who we've been following in year mm -hmm. 1000. He's one of the elders of this time. Yeah, it's the uh, the the blue guy with the the bald head and the sort of the uh, circular pattern on on his face. Yeah, so we we know that he's trying to merge all of the Earth with a a parasitic hive mind race that will eventually go and join with a, another higher power and basically become godlike in a black hole. Mm -hmm. So then out of nowhere, this figure attacks him and he's psychic. He has some telekinetic abilities. And so do you, th do you think that that's, that that figure is Black Panther. That wouldn't make a lot of sense, but no, it's Wolverine. Oh, it, oh, 
It's Wolverine. I'm pretty sure it's Wolverine or or some mutant of some sort. Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, you're right. I think it's just some mutant. I think it's just some mutant. I don't think it's Black Panther. It's just a mutant. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense for it. Because Wakanda's already came out and like, well, I, I know this is in the future, mm-hmm. but um, I did I did like the fact that like when all the other nation states were, um, you know, making deals with Krakoa, Wakanda's like, we don't we don't need any of we don't need any of your stuff. We 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 can take care of our ourselves on our own. We're 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 not dealing with you. But uh, right, yeah. So, but I don't think we'll, this is Black Panther, but it could be Sabretooth actually, with the the fur coming off of his arms right here, or yeah. Something, and he's also a healer, so he could live for a thousand years. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. And there's a nice shot of him looking at all the mutants that live on this reserve. So he's basically keeping them in a zoo or a prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's talking to someone. We don't know who he's talking to. And then we find out it's Wolverine. Yeah. And Wolverine's looking pretty cool. And I like how um, Silva used the screen tones to create these nice little shadows of the yeah. trees cascading across him. He does that throughout this whole issue. And, yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Even uh, refers to Wolverine not as Wolverine, but as Logan Jane, Logan Howlett James, which is uh, kind of jumbled up of his name. It's I think it should be it should be Logan James Howlett or James Logan Howlett is what his name should be, right? I can't remember. It's interesting that it's sort of he jumbles it up a little bit. And I just like this panel. I really like this page composition. I love that these are two and these three are insets and it's all designed around this big reveal of Wolverine. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, he has this conversation about, he wants an honest conversation with Wolverine who's sort of the leader of the mutants in this reserve. And, uh, but we would find out that the elder wants, doesn't not only want to talk with Wolverine, he also wants to talk with Moira. And Moira has somehow lived for thousands of years. And so we could presume, I guess, that since they're in Krakoa, she's probably been regenerating using um, the shells of swords. Yeah. Um, And we'll find, we find out more later that she's sort of faked her death at one point and lived in hiding and uh, so she could have just been regenerating herself over and over again with Xavier's help. And then maybe at some point figured out how to do it herself as they, as they learned how to uh, you know, maybe update their technology. So with the other clones where they, the, you know, you go into the other body, they, they, they have the, uh, the one week backups to sort of, uh, you know, give you, um, give your memories up to a point. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we don't see Charlie here, but, uh, because Mora can sort of die with, with the memories that she had and be reincarnated. Maybe she doesn't need that, uh, weekly backup, uh, system. That would make sense. Yeah. But I guess she still is on a linear time period, right? Okay. So that all her lives, her past lives are past. So she would still maybe need something like that because so much of it, it depends on her memories. 
and like what she remembers and things like that. So she would yeah. probably have to, but there'd be a lot more to back up with her. So it'd be maybe it'd be harder for like Xavier to do it because like she doesn't just have one like half of her lifetime. She has whatever wherever she is in her life plus like the dozen of lives that she has before her. And then we get this conversation about how this guy wants to merge with the with that uh the other aliens. The, the the phalanx? Yeah, the phalanx. But he also talks about how they that he will oh sorry, this is what he's talking about observing the mutants and mm -hmm. learn trying to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And this is where he starts talking about the phalanx. Okay. And um, I really like this page design right here. Um now the black eyes, you know, these are the windows to the soul and they're black and lifeless, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Really, you know, it's a good character design element that, you know, this guy doesn't really have much humanity to him. And uh, I like this page design. It's very cinematic, you know? Oh, yeah. Like how the scope changes. So it's these three smaller panels and then three giant wide shots you know, of what's about to happen. So we really get the gravity of the situation. Yeah, and the main character in each panel is sort of centralized. Yeah. So you move through it really fast and you get the point and you get the scale throughout the whole the whole page. Mm -hmm. He basically describes how these guys are just going to eat everything and then take them into a black hole where they will sort of transcend into this higher form outside of space and time. Mm -hmm. And so the world is, is essentially ending. And um, like they say here, they're all going to die. Yep. Nice nine panel grid here. Definitely. We're still not clear as to his motives of why he's here though. And I like how the art reflects that, you know, he's not looking at them. He's covered in shadow. You know, it's a good way of building mystery. Mm -hmm. yeah i just like that yeah the, the shadow of the leaves and the trees and you just see his white lifeless eyes right there yeah and he basically says he wants to send away wolverine and moira because he knows that if moira dies before they transcend she could go back in time and prevent them from transcending mm-hmm basically wiping out all humanity and all mutants. Then, um, so he's going to send them away so that, that, that he has enough time to merge with the phalanx, get into the black hole, become a god, so mm -hmm. that he can see with outside of space and time and stop Moira if she ever decided to kill herself and reset things. Which is very similar to what Destiny said that she, that Destiny was going to do earlier in the issue if if Moira decided to wipe out all mutants ever again. Yeah. And uh, then he asked them how would they prevent it, and Wolverine gets upset about that. And then the alien starts monologuing and talks about how great he is, about how great humanity is, and how about how humanity put them in this place and is eventually going to be their downfall because they're the ones that are going to merge with the machines. 
Now the machines, they're like the like Nimrod and the Sentinels were just distractions so that humanity could buy time to wipe out all of mutants. Mm-hmm. I like these pages. We hadn't seen them in a while in a couple issues, so it was harrowing, you know. Less is more. This yeah. sort of reveal is a great reveal of just sort of being like, oh crap, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and whereas like, oh my gosh, you never saw it. It was never, you know, they were so focused on making sure the machines never got into power. They never thought about the people who created the machines. Mm-hmm. And then Wolverine's solution is just to kill the dude. I love these two panels right here. The sequence of, uh, you don't even get to see this guy's reaction. He just kills him, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's how Wolverine deals with it. He's just like, you know, less talk, more action, that kind of thing. Let the guy monologue. And, let, and at some point he's just going to get fed up and murder him. Yeah. He's Which the, the guy at, should have known. He's the best at what he does and what he does is not very nice. No, it's not at all. But I do like this. Uh, I like this sequence right here, you know, similar angles, but like, you know, different moments. The, this is closer up just so you can get the impact. And then it backs off as the guy falls down, just dead weight. Yeah, and you get you. Uh, it's implied again. You know, we talk a lot about the design and and, yeah. and implying movement, but this is you know, you, you you sort of feel this guy sort of either sliding down the tree slowly or or, or dropping quickly. Uh, probably more dropping quickly because of the the thump sound effect that that's put there. So you yeah, know, and uh, yeah, it's great to have the the two the this you know this has a nice composition of these nice uh this almost does have a uh like we were talking about the last episode it's got this nice curved sort of composition Mm -hmm. where you start here and then you sort of circle around here and then follow it down here and the hands sort of point your way off the panels so there's this nice composition that lets your eye wander around for a while Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these nice loops and going through. And then what's also cool, I guess, is that you start here and you see the claws and then you follow the tree line here. You follow his arm back here. And then the thunk also goes along with the form of his arm to this next arm. But your eye stops on the thunk to read that. So you pause a little bit more just so you can get the full impact of things. And then your eye leads off and then this page is a little smaller, but like you said, he could be sliding down and then to that thump right here while you're reading this dialogue. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Cool panels. I like this moment again, hands are very important to this issue and this is just sort of a sweet intimate moment. Um, also showing that Wolverine's gotten with every woman, <laughs> X-Men lore pretty much. Even Moira. Sorry, Charles. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a thousand years into the future. That's true. Yeah, what's she gonna do? What's he gonna do? Yeah, classic snicked action. This is also another beautiful moment. I just sort of like silhouettes. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful. And we had this moment in year one hundred. Yeah, and slash, one more time, does what he does best kill women for the greater good not really it's, there's more to it than that obviously but yeah uh, no but we've 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 seen this imagery before and you know this yeah. this whole this whole 
two or 12 issues this whole series put together it's been a lot of repeats a lot of circles you know yeah jonathan, jonathan hickman likes circles in his his graphics and his and his storytelling so. yeah because you know it's that's something that we were talking about earlier that you know superheroes on in the mythic sort of uh um joseph campbell kind of sense i guess you know their hero's journey is always cyclical you know mm-hmm always going to come back around that the villain's never going to be defeated on their hero's journey right yeah the villain's always going to come back so that hickman sort of incorporating that into his story as well is pretty brilliant and pretty meta but yeah then we get this shot of xavier waking out of that fever dream and uh of that of fever not dream but fever vision of the future Mm -hmm. realizing that they're always going to lose is this a is this a, a splash page right here? Uh, it is a it's it's a it's almost a half with a with an inset panel. Okay, uh, of her talking, saying. yeah, but it's yeah. it's yeah. And then, yeah, he basically says like you know he he pre proposes all these solutions that typical Xavier would propose, and mm-hmm. then she kisses him for that, and she says you've never changed. It's not a compliment, basically meaning. Xavier's got to change in order for the future to be different. He's got to stop being the benevolent, all-powerful being. Mm-hmm. Become something different. Walking into the sunset. Um, walking into the future, I guess. And then we get these nice little journal entries of uh, Xavier. I'm uh, sorry, not Xavier. Moira talking about these different things. And I guess we really don't know, are the entries years or months? We don't know what these numbers represent, like entry 14, that kind of thing. Yeah, we, we don't. And we have a few that are redacted. So yeah, a few that are redacted again, much in Hickman's style. Um, but at this, this uh, last chunk is sort of what I wanted to focus on that. My concern, my paramount fear is that I fracture his psyche and eventually unleash something unexpected on the world, which I think gives grounds to sort of being afraid of Xavier in the present, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, that we don't know what he's going to do, if he's good or if he's bad, because he's something completely different, but still the most powerful mutant alive. Mm-hmm. And then we have this thing about Magneto that they've lost Magneto and that he's an enemy. So we don't know if that's something that's going to happen again. Is is Magneto eventually going to be a villain again? He's not going to be the the ally anymore. And then she says, I'm just as bad as they are, if not worse, which again, I think sort of gives grounds to what we were talking about with the cover, that she might be, you know, whether it's unintentionally, she's sort of the, the cause of the vanquishing of the X-Men. And then... Here we are, Moira's no space. Yep. Boa. Well, we find out also that she fakes her death and uh, goes to live in this no space. Yes. And um, Xavier and Magneto come to visit her and uh, talks about the, the council meeting, mm-hmm. which we witnessed in Powers, in Zarin House. We hear about all the different seats and who's sitting at them. Uh, Magneto does this cool thing where he molds the cups out of metal and then pours the tea into them. But that was mm-hmm. a cool little detail in there. Yes. Um, 
but also Xavier reveals that Destiny is going to be a part of the table. Um, and Destiny is the one that threatened Moira to begin with, that Destiny could be the one that will reveal what's going to happen in the future if she looks at Moira's future. And, and this is not going to make Mystique happy at all. No. Yeah. No, because um, Mystique and Destiny are best buds. Um, so Xavier says he's going to try to hold them off, put them all off so that they don't know the truth just yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Xavier reveals he wants them to know. He wants them to know that they're always going to lose. And, uh, but Xavier says, I guess Xavier says that, um, that until now we've always lost, but the time is going to be different. And Magneto says, for we are different and they are different. And that makes them scary. Yep. And then we get the Z, then we get the Ewok return of the Jedi party again. Yeah, and we, re- we repeat. Yeah. Yeah. But we get it recontextualized in sort of a more harrowing, uh, ominous way, you know, mm-hmm. Is this really going to solve anything? Is anything really going to be solved or is the cycle going to continue? Yeah, where the other one, it was uh, sort of uh, everybody celebrating um, and, and feeling well or yeah. and feeling happy. You know, you have Apocalypse moping. You have, uh, you have Eric and Charlie uh, sort of, you know, having a, having a serious conversation with them. So... It is the same, but it's it like you said, it's recontextualized. It's a, it, yeah, it's yeah. a different point of view or a different yeah. uh, different set of characters in the same situation. Yeah, and this this is like they have this panel in in house, mm-hmm. and it's not as threatening. Like you said, it's more of him moping. But here, you're almost like, you know, it looks like he's up to something. You know. Yeah, we're setting the seeds for. Um, you know, we've. Uh, we've reset the, the, the X universe, but we're, we're sort of hinting at, you know, all of these people that were bad guys uh, or villains or foes in X-Men lore, they're, they're sort of set up to go back that way. Like, yeah, you know, we have the, we have the journal entry that they lost Magneto. He's gone bad. You know, we have, we have apocalypse sitting here, Um, you know, mystique, is not gonna mystique is not gonna be thrilled when she finds out about destiny not being brought back. So yeah. she can easily go back to that to that role in the uh uh you know evil uh, the brotherhood of evil mutants. So we're sort of hinting at that these people can go back to the traditional roles while while resetting um the the x-men universe so they yeah. might not necessarily do it but we're sort of like hey you remember all those things that you you did like they they could come back yeah there's definitely it's it's it it's it's definitely open-ended and um this series could almost be seen as like a deconstruction of x-men and superheroes in general and just about how you know if you want to look at superheroes and how superhero comics work and if you want to rationalize why they work the way that they do, this book is sort of about that, you know, yeah. about how that there's going to be this never ending battle between superheroes and supervillains or just the world in general, like the people that they're trying to save. Yeah. And um, what's interesting to see too is again, like people are always going to make the same mistakes, I guess. Like that's sort of the thing is that like things that are, 
now relabeled as mistakes or like inevitable moments in time that are just going to happen no -hmm. matter what you try to do. So, uh, what's interesting is uh, I guess that, uh, Moira seems to be mentally unstable within good reason because of how many lives she's lived and how many times she's seen people die. Mm -hmm. So she's paranoid about destiny coming back on. And that shows just her mental instability. She's, she's mentally unstable. Moira's mentally unstable, but also afraid of the truth, even though hiding the truth has sort of been the issue this whole time. And that was sort of her big thing was revealing the truth to Xavier. But it's, uh, yeah, so she's sort of all conflicted inside and, um, and with good reason because we don't know what the real way to save the world is at this point or to yeah. save mutant kind is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys seem hopeful and, uh, Magneto's ready to die for this. And, um, yeah. And he basically says things that he said in the first issue that, you know, he's not ashamed of who he is and he knows that he's all powerful. Mm-hmm. This is how we end it. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, like we said earlier, this is sort of like, uh, uh, you know, find out more as these, these new series go. So I know I said earlier that I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thrilled with it, but I, I feel like on this, this second, uh, go through with you on the podcast, I, 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 I enjoy it more. And I feel like that's been true for a lot of these issues. Sort of the yeah. first read is sort of like, okay. And then the second one was like, Oh, I see, you know, this element or this aspect of it. So, uh, I, I think, I think on the, the, this review here, I'm a, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more pleased with these issues. I'm, and I really love going over these multiple times too. And we've talked about it before, you know, this is a, this is a disposable medium, you know, mm-hmm. if there ever was one of storytelling and, you know, disposable, not in the sense that we throw it away, but if you're a collector, you, you put it in a bag and a board and you throw it in your box, that kind of thing, you know, and you rarely ever go back and you read it again. Um, so this is something that's always great. I think this, this, it's always good to go back and read, read through comics and to appreciate their artwork and storytelling. And there's not to, uh, uh, disrespect, uh, our Ed Piscor or anything like that, but there's definitely a, a grand design within this mm-hmm. series, you know, um, that like, and that respects the grand design that came before it. So I'm not trying to disrespect Ed Pisker. I'm borrowing his terms. Yeah, right, that kind of thing. So Ed Pisker, you know, he has that great series about the grand design of X-Men where he he uh, basically takes all the developments from X-Men history and mm-hmm. puts them into one series. So, you know, everything is consistent across the board. Um, and Hickman respects that grand design that came before him and to make something that's of a grand design as well that will lead to something greater you know yeah he took a lot of elements you know uh from x-men stories that we've known from you know the you know the far past to to to, to the recent future you know the the development with uh those those you know those five mutants that were so uh important to building the the clones i mean that was that was a recent you know 
two, three, four years ago development with uh, with Bendis' run. So like he's taken stuff from, you know, the Kirby Lee days and, uh, you know, anything up to, to the Bendis run. So he's sort of merged a lot of stuff together. Yeah, and then the artists have followed in suit with their, you know, how they design the characters and how they place them and how they act. And, you know, it, there is a... Uh, yeah, there's a consistency throughout these books between the creators, and that's pretty great to see. That you don't see a lot in big two comics, and especially big two comics that are event comics that are built to sort of sell new number ones. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty great to see this series. And uh, it's, you know, this only comes around every once in a while, so it's pretty great to see it. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I think that was a pretty thorough recap of, of those two issues. Yeah. Um, uh, I th- I think it's safe to say that we both uh, enjoyed reading these. We both en- enjoyed the series. So uh, um, I'm interested to see what uh, what comes next uh, in the X universe, and hopefully uh, how the the X Men um, interact with uh, the the Marvel universe more as a whole as we we moved out of these sort of twelve self contained issues. Uh, yeah. We'll probably get a lot more of. Uh, a lot more interaction with uh, the Marvel U. Um, so uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, uh, I'd like to let everybody know that uh, we are currently running a Kickstarter for the, the reset. Um, that's on Kickstarter right now. So if you want to go on to Kickstarter and search for the reset or check out the show notes where I will put a link to the Kickstarter, um, uh, uh, anybody could take a look at it, share it. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Um, if you want to give us a follow on social media, we are on Twitter at Construct Pod. We are on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod. And we are on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. We also have a YouTube channel under the same name of Constructing Comics. And we will put this video up as we went through uh, all those wonderful slides Noah put together. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody. We'll be back with another episode, uh, very soon. And, uh, thank you for, for joining us.